All right, we are live. Welcome to another edition of our weekly Wednesday series where I have the opportunity to get to interview some of the top agents and service providers all across the country. And today we're here with Matthew and Jen. We have another colleague that may join us a little bit later, but let's kind of just jump right in and, and listen to the stories of both of them and learn about their markets. We're covering Sacramento and Reno today. So Matthew, do you want to share a little bit of your background and how you, how long you've been in the business, but also uh, how do you got into the business? Yeah, sure. Thank you. First of all, it's an honor to be on this and to be thought of and invited. Uh, appreciate that very much, uh, Spencer. You know, I know you're rock star down in the Bay. So um, you know, in fact, we actually uh, have a, a bunch of the Bay Area people moving up our way, uh, both Jen and I. Uh, it seems like the progression is uh, up to SAC and then maybe from SAC up to <laughs> Reno, Sparks area where she's at. But no, I've been licensed. Uh, I'm a broker. I've been selling over 20 years. Um, I think this is my 21st year I'm working on, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I come from a real estate background. My parents have both been brokers for... Um, gosh, 40, well, they don't want me to share after 40, but it, it's uh, 40 plus plus years. And uh, my mom was the number one selling agent uh, for the entire county of Placer County in the late 80s and early 90s, which um, absolutely amazes me because that was back before DocuSign. That was back before really email. In fact, I remember being in their office as a, I think I was 19, 20, right in there when I got my license and fax machine was the big purchase. I think it was 1500 bucks for a fax machine or something. And we were in awe of the technology. Um, you know, so that's kind of my background. Um, uh, born in Auburn, grew up in a little town called Cool on 10 acres and basically been selling the greater Sacramento marketplace, uh, like I said, for 20 years. And I'm, I'm kind of a unique realtor in that I represent um, multiple counties, have a very large coverage area because I did grow up on acreage in the foothills. So I understand wells and septic tanks and, um, you know, production reports and potability reports and leach fields and all these things that a lot of the, um, you know, city realtors don't necessarily encounter, so they don't understand. Um, but then also I, of course, uh, move down to the city and, and sell in the city as well. Wonderful. And and Jen, how about yourself? Can you share, I know you, you operate with a team, your partner may be joining any moment now, but mm -hmm. why don't you, you kick things off and share about uh, the Reno market as well? Sure. Um, so I'll just give you a little background on myself. I started in 2002 in a really small town. Oh, hey, Michelle. <laughs> small <laughs> town in, in north central Washington. Um, again, there as a realtor, um, I owned a, my own little boutique brokerage up there. Um, you have to know farm ground. You have to know commercial. You have to know everything if you want to survive. And to do 10 transactions in a year, you're a real rock star up there. So, um, And then in 2014, I moved to Reno, which that's just when the market was really starting to come back. Um, and I got involved here in Reno. Um, and I've seen it go really, really high in 2015, slightly level off a little bit. Still very, very active market. Um, we just weren't seeing as many multiple offers. And then this year, coming into this year, rounding the, the fourth quarter, we started seeing a, a, a tremendous amount of multiple offers again and, and a little bit lower inventory. 
So it's it's been fun to watch the cycles and um, it, we feel very grateful because it's a very healthy market even through this this pandemic um, that we've all been experiencing. So wonderful, yeah. So uh, I know Michelle unfortunately had to drop <laughs> dropped off for whatever reason, <laughs> but that's uh, the benefit of a live stream. So Jen, can you share a little bit about the Reno market? I from many people's perspective. It, it was, and maybe still is, a, a sleepy town that was a, a second fiddle to Vegas from a casino perspective. Yeah. There's much more, and it's not the same as it was before. So can you tell people about the market? And when the Gigafactory was opened up, like what kind of impact did you see at that time? And do you still see residual effects from there? We do, and I actually live in Story County where the Gigafactory is, is placed in the county that it's in. Um, and so I get to read all the private blogs and all that pertaining to the Gigafactory and they're a huge contributor to, uh, Story County. Um, and they're a huge contributor in the fact of, of, of jobs in, in Washoe County, uh, Washoe County is the, you know, the biggest in Northern Nevada. Um, so it's, it's interesting because we are expecting when, when we went to our economic review in, when did we go to that in? January, I think. Uh, we're expecting over the, the next five years, about 51,500 jobs over the next five years. And then our population growth is expected to exceed 54,000 um, in just the, uh, you know, the, just the greater northern Nevada. So there's five counties in, in that Washoe being one of the biggest ones. Um, it's we, Washoe County grew 1.8% over the last year. And there was a 13.5% job increase. So wow. um, 8% increase in households. Story County, 218% largely due to the, the Gigafactory. Um, so it definitely plays a part. But in 2018, we had 30 companies come to Northern Nevada. And we have a great economic development, Edon. Um, they have an epic report that goes out. It's available to everybody. It's, it's fun to watch. Um, a, a lot of people coming in from California, a lot. And so, and the biggest thing I hear is that the, the tax structure. So they just don't want to pay any more taxes right, than they have right. to. Um, Very nice. Got yeah. It. I know Michelle joined late. So Michelle, do you want to do a quick intro and, and maybe share a little of the story of how you and Jen got connected and how you guys complement each other to, to form a team? Yeah, absolutely. So I started in the medical field, decided to switch careers, never wanting to really go into production or it was more for just myself. And I thankfully met Jen. We hit it off right, right off the bat and we are basically like-minded. So we kind of hit the ground running and haven't stopped <laughs> essentially. Um, we have a unique perspective on just, you know, how to approach our market. And we really believe that relationships and building those relationships to last are, are really the foundation of our success. And so because her and I, um, like, you know, we say in, in our tagline mission before profits, it's truly what we mean. So it's all about relationships and long-term um, being able to help people. Wonderful. And Michelle, can you share a little bit of the local market in terms of what are average price points there? What can people expect, whether it's on the quote unquote low end 
to uh, luxury in the market? Yeah. So right now I don't have the numbers. I think Jen, you just shared the numbers um, that are probably a little bit more specific from, but what I see when I'm out there in the market, we're looking at average, Jen, correct me if I'm wrong in the uh, mid fours. Yeah. Our median, about, uh, our median price point is 416.5. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, between that and then our luxury homes are still sitting in that, especially anything over a million, um, million five, they're, they're still lingering and sitting, but they are moving um, mm -hmm. because our inventory is so low. And um, depending on, you know, the demographics and who's, who's deciding to come over and what kind of, of um, situation they're in, it, it just depends. Definitely, we are still moving pretty quickly, though. We've had even with the COVID-19, we've kept pretty busy um, helping, helping the families that were already anticipating moving and were mm -hmm. able and blessed enough to keep their jobs. Mm -hmm. and, and Matt, I'll, I'll switch it to you for the Sacramento market. I know the Sacramento market has, uh, has been very competitive, at least from what I understand. Can you share why you feel that is? Is it mostly people from the Bay Area moving there and, and are they commuting back to the Bay Area for work? Like, what do you see as the migration patterns and also just the local economy that's supporting what's been going on with Sacramento? Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, Sacramento has always been a unique uh, kind of feeder city, if you will, because we are the state capital, right? So there's a lot of government, stable jobs, things of that nature. But I think also the proximity, the location is really desirable once people know about it, because, you know, we're an hour and 40, 45 minutes from Reno. We're an hour and 45 minutes to San Francisco and the Bay Area and all that it has to offer. We're an hour and 30 minutes to Napa Valley. Um, gosh, we're an hour and 30, 40 minutes to Lake Tahoe. So we're just really centrally located. We're only a little over three hours to Monterey and Carmel. And that's all drive time, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, traffic is far less than some of these congested uh, areas like the Bay and people really wanting to get out of. We do have a lot of people over the years that have been embracing the train and commuting down that way, telecommuting. Uh, has grown tremendously so that they can uh, afford a, quite frankly, a better lifestyle uh, up here. I can't tell you how many um, clients I've had through the years that it was hard for them emotionally to give up the Bay Area uh, mindset of living there. And that's my home. Uh, I know eventually we'll move up to, you know, Granite Bay, Roseville, but uh, I don't know if we're ready yet. And then all the people that finally pulled the trigger and live here, they all say to me, I can't believe we didn't do this sooner. Oh my gosh, it's so much better here. Uh, you know, schools, traffic, quality of life. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, the appreciate, appreciation in their homes in the Bay, as you know, Spencer, has been tremendous. So they're you know, uh, $500,000 home that they bought years and years ago is now 1.5, 2 million. They sell that. They buy an amazing home up here, uh, you know, two times, three times as good for eight, nine, eight, 900,000, maybe even a million. And then they bank the rest and they have an amazing lifestyle. So, um, yeah, it's, I had heard, uh, and I don't know if this is still the case, but for major metropolitan cities, Sacramento is the most diverse city in the nation. 
Um, you know, so that's a pretty amazing thing uh, to have. No, that, that is amazing. And I'm getting a lot of the questions, as you can imagine, of the possible looming recession. And and I love for you guys to comment with your respective markets, um, what your kind of outlook is, but at the same time, how it how it is different, if it is, in your opinion, this time around than the last one, especially you, Matt, where you've lived and gone through as a, as a realtor, um, at least basically at least two downturns, if it's the last 20 years, at least two. So love to get your thoughts as to your perception and how, because I know Sacramento did get hit very hard the last time, but I also suspect things are different. So I'd love to get your thoughts of how you look at, how you look at that. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And, and Sacramento did get hit very hard in the last, uh, um, you know, economic uh, demise there in 08 and so on. Um, so much so that you drive down the street and there'd be sign after sign, uh, you know, and dead lawns and so on. I think it was Miami, Vegas, and Sacramento were the two, you know, hotspots in the nation or the three hotspots in the nation, I should say. Um, I do see it being different this go around uh, for a couple of reasons. One, the economy was just absolutely cooking you know, record uh, job numbers, employment numbers before COVID. Um, and we had very low inventory uh, and we still have very low inventory right now. Interest rates are very, very low. Uh, there's actually a lot of buyers that are really taking advantage of this time right now. Um, as uh, you might guess, there are some buyers that are sitting on the fence saying, well, I kind of want to wait and see how this all shakes out. But then there's other buyers that say, hey, you know what? This is our time. Interest rates are great. We're, we're approved already. Let's get in there. And we have less competition uh, than we did before COVID. Uh, competition being from other buyers, multiple offers on hot properties and so on. So what we're finding is the buyers that are in the marketplace now are very serious and motivated buyers. Um, and what's interesting is uh, we did some stats in April. We were only down about 4%, 4 to 5% from the previous April, uh, the year before. Um, and what's interesting in the last two weeks in our marketplace pending sales and buyer showings and activity is way up, uh, actually. So I think everybody, at least in our area, is kind of tired of being uh, sheltered in place and locked down, so to speak, especially in Placer County. I think, uh, you know, I don't want to downplay, but we've only had eight deaths. Uh, not that any of those deaths are not important, but when you really look at the grand scope of how many people live in the county and, and what has transpired to only have eight deaths, um, and very, you know, few perc uh, small percentage in regards to uh, testing positive. People are ready. People are ready to get back with day-to-day uh, -day life and get back to business. Get back to moving on with their lives. Getting a home, selling a home, etc. So, I, I don't see it uh, very similar at all compared to await. But I will say, I do believe this is the calm before the storm. I am counseling all my clients that if you are thinking of selling or if you were on the fence and, hey, we'll do it later this year or early next year, you're probably going to be better off to do it now uh, to capitalize at the peak of the market in regards to valuations. And that's why, you know, just in the last uh, seven days, I have three new listings coming on that they said, hey, we're, we're ready. And uh, one of them has the house completely torn apart after I did my uh, 
walkthrough with them. I mean, he's a contractor, so he's got scaffolding up and decks torn up and he's just, I mean, 24 seven working his tail off to beat. Uh, Cause I told him time is not your friend right now. Interesting. So hopefully yeah. that helps you. No, it does. And, and Jen, Michelle, what about you guys in the Reno market in terms of how you, how you suspect things will play out, but also how it's different than it was in 2008? Well, for me in 2008, I was up in Washington state again and in a smaller town. Um, and we didn't feel it as hard as they did here in Reno. I know it devastated Reno. Um, but just being in the business, I know that, you know, banks stopped lending. It was just, it was a catastrophe across the board. Um, so now it's different. It's just completely different because I, I think it's just a setback. Um, they tightened up their parameters a little bit. You had to have higher credit scores. So again, like Matthew said, it's just the more serious buyers that are, we're going to be making a transaction anyway. Um, I've started to see more activity on my listings in terms of, of you know, scheduled showings. So people are out there, more traffic on the streets. Um, I don't think there's any comparison between the previous down downturn and this. Um, and I think the one thing that we just need to remember is that, again, it was a setback that we nobody had control over. Um, and so we just need to move forward. I do think we're going to start seeing more inventory as people get back in into it. So that is going to create more of a balanced market, not so much of a seller's market like we have here today. Um, and, and I've coached all of our buyers and sellers, mostly the buyers that, you know, you're not going to get that coronavirus discount that you think you're going to get. Um, it's no. just not there. And, you know, if you want to have a successful transaction and you really want this property, you need to be realistic about it. And let's look at the numbers. So. Um, but it's keeping the communication open and, you know, being on the forefront of what's going on in the market so you can be the best advocate for your clients. Yeah. And can you share from what you see from an activity levels perspective, like what percent are they're buying for themselves and what are the percentage that they're actually investors just buying as, as rentals? I'd love to hear on both markets, actually, what, what you guys kind of see, whether it's from your own business or just what you see in the, in the marketplace. So I, I deal with investors, probably about 15% of my business is investors, um, uh, both on the list side and, and the buy side. And I haven't seen a lot of investors uh, out there right now. I'm also an investor myself with my husband. Um, and when this first happened, we decided not to move forward on a contract because we just wanted to see what was going to happen. Not thinking of, you know, because we, we, we're we not going to invest to keep it. We would flip it. Okay. Um, and so we were, we just wanted to, we probably in hindsight should have went ahead and bought it, but, um, because the market's still hopping. Um, but so I guess overall, you know, you're probably for our, our company overall, we're probably 5% investors on the grand scale. Um, and, and, you know, 95% owner, owner occupiers. Got it. And Matt, how about, how about yourself of what you just see from a, from a market perspective? Yeah, honestly, I think the investors are hanging back because what we find, uh, you know, I got licensed in 95. So I've seen actually been through a number of downturns. Uh, when I got in, it was at the bottom of the market after the Gulf War and things of that nature and so on. So um, 
you know, what we find is the market typically lags anywhere from 12 to 18 to 24 months. Um, you can look at that in 08 or in our market in Sacramento, the peak was June of uh, 05, right? That's when we as realtors saw, wow, things are changing. We're not getting as many offers. The market's shifting. Um, but the reality was the general public, it really didn't kind of start resonating until 07 and then everything hit the fan in 08 and just snowballed down and so forth. So I think the the savvy investors are in a aspect of cutting a lot of costs, stockpiling cash right now and um, really getting lean and mean and ready to get into the market. Uh, probably I would guess uh, the soonest would be at the end of this year, uh, December, January. I've traditionally told my clients, you can absolutely get a better deal if you buy in December, January, maybe February, I can get you anywhere from one to 3% off purchase price uh, with my you know, experience and skills and timing. Uh, so I think investors are very wise to that. They're going to be popping in the market here uh, aggressively. I think at that time will be the beginning um, and then probably... Um, you know, summer, fall next year, it'll be uh, a lot of investors coming in with cash and things of that nature. Got it. And Michelle, can you actually walk us through? So every county in every different area had different policies of how they opened up slowly of the shelter in place regulations. Can you share in your market when the shelter in place first occurred, how did it affect you as a realtor of what you can even do? And what were the milestones over the weeks of how they actually opened it up? And where are you at now? Are you having open houses on the weekends? Can you share yeah, what's so, going on there? Of course. So in the beginning, it was a little ambiguous. We didn't have really clear direction. And for us, we were still just trying to follow, of course, the guidelines of what was recommended by um, by our governor. And then slowly as things, he he became very clear on his directive that, okay, no more open homes. Um, we, Jen and I were like, well, we're just going to keep going <laughs> until we get a final, you know, you can't do this because obviously we want to adhere to, to what the governor and, 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 you know, just be compliant, of course. And as things progressed, it did get very clear. However, we really never stopped being able to work when it came to vacant homes. We just took extra precaution. Um, we still were even allowed to enter homes that, well, let me take that back. He did make a directive that we were not allowed to enter homes that were occupied. So that was, that was no. And then um, we just made sure we had the wipes and gloves and, and masks provided. Um, right now, I believe we are now able to go and occupy, but it ha we have to have certain precautions again in place. So we've got our gloves and masks and booties. Um, but that's on a case by case. And I believe we're still in just phase one right now that we have some restaurants opening. So things are starting to get active in our community again. I think people, we still have, I would say, you know, the majority of people are wearing masks and being very cautious. We're still applying the six, the six foot rule, you know, as far as social distancing, but it seems like we're starting to waken up a little bit. People are getting super restless and they just want to get out. And like right. Jen said, I think it's going to 
people are going to start feeling a little bit more comfortable and hopefully we'll be able to enter into phase two here in the next few weeks. Great. And, and Matt, how about you guys out in SAC? Like what was the milestones over the last few months? You know, it's been really uh, interesting. Uh, for one, you said, how did it, you know, for me personally as a realtor and, and broker and so on, honestly, it was business as usual. And part of that, as you know, and, and Jen and Michelle have come on board with us as well. Um, EXP is a company that we're a part of, and they have been, uh, they were basically built for this 10 years ago. We, you know, cloud-based, virtual, uh, and so on. So it really did not disrupt me uh, and how I did things much at all. Now, you know, getting outside of our home office and things of that nature and, and getting out in, in the public spaces, there was a point uh, for Sacramento County, which was different than Placer County, where we could not, uh, we were deemed non-essential as realtors. And so we couldn't necessarily go show homes. And I did have some clients that were very concerned about this, you know, well, how are you going to go show my house? Uh, you know, I have clients in the Bay Area that had a second home here vacant that they wanted to sell. And I said, you know, don't worry about it. I, I'm, I'll glove up and mask up and booty up and, you know, do all that stuff and, and we'll make things happen um, because that's what Americans are about. We got to make things happen and be very safe at the same time. Um, since then, uh, Sacramento. So I just got the notice today that I think it was today or yesterday that Placer County is now moved to phase two. I don't believe Sacramento is phase two yet. So, you know, I kind of live on the border in, in a town called Orangevale, which is Sacramento County, but it's right on the border of Placer. And, you know, as a realtor, I service all those counties. So, um, so it's kind of interesting. Um, but I give you a quick little example. I think the viewers will appreciate this to see, get an idea of how the market is going. My, um, I had a listing down in Sacramento that we did uh, no lockbox, no showings, uh, didn't even put a sign out uh, and so on, but I did extensive marketing through social media, internet and so on. Uh, and we did, uh, my videographer did a video walkthrough basically taking it room by room, step by step and panning around like you were a buyer walking through. And we said, hey, no showings, go to this link on my YouTube channel and watch the video. It is as you see it. No one else has been in the property since then. And uh, I got it sold multiple, let's see, the first time was sold over asking price, no repairs. Um, and they'd even cover an appraisal shortfall up to $10,000. Okay. That's how active this is right in the middle of the shutdown. Well, you know, stay at home type thing. Um, then interestingly, the lender for the buyer within two to three days of escrow came back and said, Hey, we're not going to do the loan for you, uh, for the buyer. And we said, well, why not? You gave them a full approval. These are business owners. They make great money. What, what's the problem? And they said, well, actually, since the governor uh, oh, and by the way, the buyers owned a barber shop and a cosmetology school, and they were still cutting hair, but by appointment only. And they were gloved up and masked up and being as safe as they could, you know, but they still got to earn income for their family. Right. So, um, but the lender said, well, wait a minute, you own a barber shop. You're not deemed essential. You're non-essential. So this income that you're earning during this time, you should not be working. Wow. And so therefore we're not going to approve the loan and they lost the house. Oh, wow. 
now that that actually made me very angry. They weren't even my clients, but I just thought, wow, that's amazing. Right. Uh, so, so I put it back on the market, got it sold multiple offers again. Um, this was all without walkthroughs. They hadn't seen the property. Then, no, no. then once we had accepted contract, we walked them through the property. They thought the rooms were a little too small for them backed out. So then I put it back on the market. I sold it a third time over asking price, no, no repairs, uh, so far, uh, I've already completed appraisal and inspections and so on. So my point in all that is, yeah, there was a disruption. We had to tweak and change some of the things that we're doing, but the reality is business goes on and buyers that are serious. I mean, I sold that property three times in a span of 15 days <laughs> and over yeah. asking price. Right. So, right. Uh, you know, business is happening for those that are motivated and serious uh, to get out there. Yeah, that, that brings up to the next question is this has definitely shifted how we do business. It also has shifted how clearly the buyers have even encountered a, a house. What are you guys doing now that's different than before? And do you feel that's going to stay even if things get better? It's just a new uh skill or new value add that you're doing now that you feel, Hey, look, everyone, like we didn't have to do, you know, Matterport before, but now everything should be Matterport. Like, are there certain aspects of the business that you're now uh, adding to enhance um, as of right now, but also how you foresee it, even if things get better? And this would be for Jen and Michelle. So I used to do Matterport for all of my listings initially, and I didn't find that it, it was much use for the expense. Mm -hmm. um, and then actually I didn't have Matterport in place on my listings, um, but it just did, it didn't stop. All it did was separate the serious from the non-serious. Um, I put, I, I had multiple offers. I, I put three into contract during the, you know, the, the height of it. And yeah. And it's so like Michelle says, the show must go on for me. You just have to think outside of the box. Um, I think that this is really a blessing in disguise in, in besides everybody getting sick, you know, if you take that portion out of it, you get the real serious realtors that want to, that want to be busy, that want to service their clients. Um, and then you get the real serious clients. So we just can be more productive. Um, when you do have downtime, you focus on your, uh, you know, your self-development. Um, yeah, you're not sitting on the couch eating baba. <laughs> yeah, I thought, we, we, we had our team meeting and I, I we were on. And it, so we've become more reliant on technology for those that are kind of a techie nerd. Like, I, well, I'm I'm not I don't know anything about tech. I, I'm trying. <laughs> but, but I told I told our, our team, I said, listen, if you're sitting on the couch eating bonbons, you need to stop that. And, you know, they're, they're, you get productive, reach out to your clients, call them, see if you can do anything for them. Just take advantage of it. it's an opportunity to really be a resource. So I think for me too, um, Matthew shared um, with Brent Cove when he had his Facebook Live and he had them talking about it. Actually, also resonated about we just remember we're all human beings and there's more to than just what we do. And during times like this, it really identifies and resonates that we need to show warmth and we need to be caring and we need to, to dig a little bit deeper in our businesses and not always focus on the sale and really mm -hmm. start focusing on 
like being, being relational and having a good relationship with people and being, you know, care about actually their circumstances or whatever they're going through so that you can be a better person and help them. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I get that actually comment from the network that I have in general too, as I, as I caught up with a lot of people more than I've ever caught up with. Um, just because there is more time cause you're not driving as much, right? You're not, mm -hmm. you're clearly not driving as much. And for a while, many of us were absolute lockdown where you can, you can barely leave the house. And it was interesting that I got the comments as well. Like, they're like, wait, I thought real estate was completely frozen. Shouldn't you have like nothing to do these days? <laughs> right. And I'm like, um, I mean, you're, you're on one end, you're, you're not too far off. I mean, there's, you know, I can't show houses anymore. There's no more open houses, but there's still plenty of other things to do that are not just uh, actually going to a house. So whether it's catching up with a lot of people, whether it's self-improvement, uh, Matt, you made the comment about the EXP, especially when it first happened, there was so much change that has happened. I'm sure even from what you've seen in your you know, 20 plus years, like there's that, when that first happened to the shelter in place, there's that one week or two, literally every day was something new and there was like new forms coming out and that was still changing on the yeah. go. Right. So that was, I can probably guess like that never happened, like that kind of change in that short of a period. And it was during that time, I was like, I'm glad that I, I was with EXP because we always had ongoing virtual training. I didn't use most of it because I was, you know, busy meeting with clients in person or, you know, doing what I needed to do. But during that, those one or two weeks, I was like, man, I need to be on top of this because there's so much happening. I don't want to get in trouble because I know people were getting fined for going out. And there's just so much change. And fortunately, because of the infrastructure that was already in place, it was like normal. So it was like this mini bubble that we're in where we have this virtual world and we're still getting up to speed on training and learning new things. Um, but then once we go out, it's like it's empty because, you know, it's not as usual. So it's, it was a little bizarre during those one or two weeks where I felt and I think for you guys as well, you guys were still very busy doing a lot of things. Um, even though the rest of the world was basically closed. So it was, it was interesting that you, that you shared that. Absolutely. From our perspective too, just from the business end, uh, if I can share about that, yeah. uh, Michelle and I were, you know, looking at our profit and loss from 2018. We had an independent brokerage looking at our numbers and it all just happened. It was like, it was everything happens for a reason. That's my saying. Um, Matthew reached out to me for a second or third time, I think. And then we just, it just all fit like the glove that was supposed to fit. And I was thinking, and I shared this with Matthew, you know, I wish I had this platform for my team when this initially started, because um, I, and I was thinking EXP has got to be on top of the world because they're already set up. They, they mm -hmm. you know, they were built for this, as, as you say. And so it was just a good fit when we joined force, forces and became business partners with Matthew. Um, and uh, we just feel really fortunate and, and blessed to be a part of this group while we're going through this, this challenging time. Right. I think it's a good reminder for business owners, like, or, you know, however you have your structure, that it's good to go back and take a step back, take a look, you know, go through your things. And it's not, you don't do it once a year, you know, you're doing it consistently so that you can keep honing in and just getting better and better. And that's mm -hmm. why it was a blessing for Jen and I, because 
we really took this time, took it seriously and said, we need to make changes where possibly we may not have done that as quickly, you know? Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. At times you're just too busy in in the weeds. So you Mm -hmm. don't, you don't really be able to go up and say, Hey, look, what, what am I doing? Is it efficient? Is it the right way of doing it? And fortunately during this time, it's, there are aspects of the business that are different for sure. Just make no mistake. Uh, and I love to hear the numbers of the number of new listings a week and the, the number of transactions. With, without a doubt, here in the Bay Area, when it first happened, it was about 30 to 40% less new listings and less transactions because of that. And even today, it's about that figure. But at least this gave us the time to say, okay, well, that's a little bit slower. But there's also a lot of other things that are like it became a debt because you're you're kind of pushing it off. Right, because you, you're too busy op- running your operations, you didn't say, "Hey, look, well, are these the right things? Are these the right tools? Are, do we have things set up right?" So, as you had the time to fix that, and now that the market has started getting a lot busier, now those you're actually implementing those and you're kind of improving those as you go. So, I think it's a really interesting time for those that, like us, have been active, and then for not, then I think those that were not active and thought this was like a mini vacation. Um, it's more of a, you know, they're really, they're much further behind now. And mm-hmm. during these kind of times, um, that's really what I believe creates a bigger gap. And I, I, I know for sure in my network, when they see like this kind of activity, they say, wow, you've been extremely active, like actually more than ever, because it's more digital content, um, that you start becoming more of that thought leader versus others. They're like, wait, when things were not good, where'd you go? Oh, you didn't do anything. Okay. Um, you know, I'll have to think twice if I really want to use you. And but I love to hear from a numbers perspective. You can share, you know, I shared about the Bay Area of, I mean, thirty to forty percent new li- less new listings a week. So it was a inventory was already bad across the country, and it was now significantly worse. Love to hear from your side if you've seen the data or if you can share. You know, the buyer interest has certainly picked up, but from a listings perspective. Um, what did you? What do you guys see right now? Was it slowly creeping up? Matt, you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Um, I don't have the actual percentage. I, I apologize, but what I can tell you, a good indicator is months of inventory, and uh, we had very low uh, inventory at the beginning of the year. Uh, we were hoping spring would really bring a, a you know the traditional yearly glut of new listings coming on. Um, and then all of a sudden COVID hit. So I think if I remember, we were at about one point, actually at one point we were below a month of inventory. Okay. And so for those listening, typically anywhere from one to four, maybe five months is a, is a seller's market. Five to six is a neutral market and, you know, six and beyond is a buyer's market, meaning if no new listings come on the market and we just have what's there with buyer demand, how long is it going to take to exhaust inventory? So, you know, we track that and so on. So we were looking at, at one point, if I remember it was 0.8 months and then it was about 1.2. I think now I looked, we were at uh, 2.1 uh, you know, so a pretty good little jump, but the reality is we're still in that sweet spot uh, in regards to for sellers. And that's why I'm telling them, I said, look, now is the time to get your home on the market. Uh, that's why my seller is working 24 seven with scaffolding and decks torn up. And he's, you know, his wife sent me photos. She, she goes, he's a crazy man. I said, well, he's motivated. He wants to, you know, <laughs> 
maximize his investment here. And, and uh, they're actually looking in the Reno area. So I was able to refer them to Jen and Michelle, who are absolute rock stars up there. Just a little side, Spencer, I don't know if you know or the viewers know. Jen and Michelle, they had about three years at Keller Williams. And two out of the three years, they were the number one selling agents in that office. So, I mean, they're, you got some of the best of the best uh, in the Reno Sparks area there. Nice. And then Jen, Michelle, can you share also kind of the figures that, that you've been seeing? Sure. So um, last last month in March, when we looked at the numbers, we, as I shared earlier, uh, before we came on, we, we had a better March in 2020 than we did in 2019. Mm -hmm. um, just over a, a thousand listings uh, on the market um, last year. And this year, our listings were down at, at just over 700. So we, it's still very low inventory. We were sitting at about two and a half months compared to the units that sold. But as I'm looking at the numbers for April, we had 561 units on the market. And out of that, 374 have sold. So what is that, about like a month and three quarters? So wow. we're still really, really low. Again, that just kind of goes to the multiple offers that we're seeing. It's going to depend on the price point. But even in the you know, the four to $6 million range, when we were looking at those numbers, those are still in like 90 days on the market, depending on the quality, you know, and condition of the home. Um, so it's it's going to be specific to the area. It's pretty diverse, different areas, which I'm sure it is there in, in the Sacramento market as well in the Bay Area. Um, but all in all, inventory is low. Um, buyers are out there, interest rates are low, like the time is now for everybody. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah. do, do you see much of a difference um, maybe can you share a little bit of the history of the downtown areas where it's more dense versus suburbia per se, like over the years and how you see this play out where people may be more possibly more concerned of more dense shared spaces? So, yeah, the, the city of Reno is, is went to great lengths to do this reimagine Reno. It's a massive uh, you can Google reimagine Reno and they're really trying to transform from it being a casino town to a university town. Um, and then that goes from downtown, it goes into Midtown and they're, they've rehabbed all of this area. There's, it's, it's wonderful. You know, it's the walkability is fantastic. There's bistros, brew pubs, uh, little boutiques. So people really want to be in that urban area. Um, and again, you're going to, uh, it, it just depends on the type of people. Like someone like myself, I want to be away from people. <laughs> so <laughs> right. I, I go out on 10 acres, you know, right. with wild horses. But then <laughs> you get people that really want that 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 urban living, and and it's it has a whole new transformation, and it's still in the works. It's starting to more to the east, where the VA hospital is, where it was really run down before. So you're really seeing that that gentrification and um, it's it's coming along, but you know the prices are spendier there, obviously. Um, but downtown, you're starting to see a lot of the old motels and hotels get cleaned up, and now they're becoming uh, apartments or condos, and more medical facilities going in. So they're they're doing a good job. Their what vision you, is wonderful. What would you say would be the average price point or entry level for that uh, area versus um, places closer to? Whether it's a Gigafactory or, or where all the logistics are, and and how far is that distance? So you're gonna have downtown is uh, is right there at the the, the core of the 395 I80. 
Um, depending on square footage, you know, you can get a studio apartment anywhere from 120,000 to 300,000, you know, mm -hmm. depending on the amenities. Um, anything larger, you're going up to, you know, five to 700,000. Um, if you get more into the Midtown area, you probably can't find anything for under 450,000 and it's going to be dated and probably need a good remodel. Um, if it has been remodeled, you're going to be, you know, five, 600,000. Um, mm -hmm. as you go further East on I-80, it sparks is right there. And that's where the gigafactory is out that way, about 15, 20 miles ish. Um, so those houses, Sparks has a different median price point. They're probably about forty to fifty thousand dollars less than Reno, mm -hmm. um, but you're getting on a little bit bigger lots, maybe you know a little less than a quarter of an acre as as a standard rule. Um, bigger houses. So we we do see, and and that has slowed down quite a bit. But we did see some quite a few investors buying big single family homes mm -hmm. uh, to rent out to a lot of these these gigafactory workers. Um, which is interesting because I've, I've always thought investments should be multiple units and it, that's just the way my brain works, but, um, you know, everyone has a plan. So that, that is interesting. You brought that up because I, I know for a fact, many of my friends and my contacts in the Bay area, because we're, we're, many of us are in tech when they, when it first was announced, they're like, okay, well, you know, what are an opportunity to buy, you know, investment property? And I don't know if they didn't consider multifamily or maybe there's just not that many anyways there. They're like, let's just buy a single family house and rent that out to whoever moves there. So so it was a it was a discussion for sure amongst a lot of people here, when especially when it first came out. Yeah, you don't see a lot of uh, like duplexes. They're, they're, they're few and far between. You see a lot of, especially downtown, midtown area, a lot of two single family homes on one APN. Um, oh, really? which is, is great. Um, and they're kind of separated by a fence, but then one house has to enter from the alley. So it, it's just interesting. Uh, you see a lot of that, but you don't, or, or bigger apartment buildings. And a lot of them are owned by major, you know, major investor groups. Um, but you don't see very many duplexes and, and, and almost none that are newer. Um, can you actually clarify that? Because I'm not familiar with that here. What does that mean in that case of logistically of two houses on one APN? Like, does one person buy and, and owns two of them, or or yeah. they, it's it's in half? Like, how does that work? No, it's it's one owner, and okay. they they may live in one, rent the other one out. They may rent both of them out. Um, I've had I've had a few of them for sale, and actually, big construction companies have come in and purchased them for their employees, also. Um, and oh, wow. it's just, you know, a good, at that time it was like a $330,000 sale and they could house all their employees. Then they're going to take advantage of the market and turn around and sell it when they're done. Um, similar to what parents will do at the university when they have, you know, kids, if they, they don't want to pay the dorm fees or, um, or somebody else's rent because rents are on the higher side, then they'll just buy a house close to the university and rent it out to all of the the kids friends <laughs> mm -hmm. right and make it and, a, and make it a business opportunity interesting and matt can you share for the sacramento area i know downtown uh for a while was was gentrifying a lot was was really picking up how are things going now is that still the is that still the trend 
Yeah, just to clarify on the duplex thing or the two homes on one lot, it is labeled as a duplex. So you might be thinking, you know, a duplex being a shared wall, which is a duplex, but then also if you had a granny flat in the back and maybe a fence separating the two yards, which I have a rental that is that way, they're two clearly separate structures, but they're on one APN. They're still listed as a duplex. So just like Jen was saying. Hmm. So anyway, um, you know, Sacramento is an interesting place because we don't have a really strong down, or I should say we didn't have a really strong downtown. Honestly, people living around here would say for years, it's pretty dead. I don't even need to go down there. Nothing's going on. Um, but when, when they put the Sacramento Kings, the golden one center downtown, uh, that produced a lot of excitement. Um, there was a lot of business owners and visionaries that were saying, Hey, I want to put my store, my shop, my restaurant, what have you right there in K street and walking distance. And so it just kind of built this excitement and there was a lot more interest in, you know, the, frankly, living downtown is convenient, no matter what downtown you're in, what city there's the, the value of convenience. You can just walk out the door and go to all these fine dining and entertainment and so on. And for years, and it's still the case, Sacramento has been known as urban sprawl. Uh, and it really is. If you go, you know, South, you'll head into Laguna and El Grove, you go up, uh, you know, East, uh, Northeast and West and so on. You got your, you know, uh, Citrus Heights, Antelope, Orangevales, Fair Oaks, and and Roseville, Rockland, Lincoln up 65, and then on up through Penryn, Newcastle, Auburn up 80, and and the same up 50 in regards to Folsom, El Dorado Hills, and on up the hill to Placerville. So um, it's interesting because there was a resurgence of wanting to live downtown uh, because of everything that was going on in Sacramento. Um, I don't work a a ton down there. I mean, I do represent it when I have clients and and referrals and so on, but it's not my primary focus uh, down there because I am in suburbia here, kind of in the middle. So I can drive downtown. I'm about 30 minutes away or I'm 30, 40 minutes up in the foothills of Meta Vista and Placerville and Shingle Springs and cool and so on. So what I'm finding, though, is very similar to how Bay Area folks want to get out of the hustle and bustle and and the proximity of being so close to your neighbor and the traffic and and everything that is the opposite of all the convenience is they're um, wanting to get up, uh, you know, move up to Sacramento where you got a little bit more space and so on. And now being that Roseville and Sacramento area and these areas have really you know, expanded and grown since the crash of 08, uh, you know, the real bottom of the market was 2011. So it's been what, eight, nine years of straight appreciation. And, and, and that is really fueled by people coming into the area. Um, people that have been here for a while go, you know what, it's not like it used to be. And they're moving further up the hill, so to speak, as we say. So that would be up 80 or up 50 towards Tahoe on the 50 side or towards Reno, um, via Auburn and Newcastle and Meta Vista and Applegate and Weimar and some of these places on 80. So it's been kind of neat for me personally, because I do represent the city and, and these suburbs and, you know, the different little quote unquote cities of Citrus Heights and Antelope and Rockland and so on. Um, but I'm able to help them sell their home here and then move them up the hill. Uh, and so we're, I think with COVID, what I'm guessing is going to be the case is more and more people are seeing the value of being a little bit more separated, having that social separation. It's going to be really interesting, Spencer, um, 
and I'd love to get your take on the Bay. Do you think this whole shelter in place and this whole emotional, psychological aspect that we've truly experienced uh, where the world stopped, you know, and now we're keep your six feet and wear your mask and don't shake hands and all this stuff. Is it going to stick or, you know, is it going to be back to business as normal? Uh, I'm not so sure it's going to be back to fully business as normal. I think uh, until there's a cure, uh, it's going to be, we're definitely going to pivot. I don't know if it's going to last, but it's going to be a pivot for a while, I believe. And I, I think that's going to increase people looking for a little bit more space and acreage and, and uh, getting out of the congested spaces. So I do think it's going to change the momentum for sure in the downtown spaces, especially with these businesses not being able to uh, conduct business. Um, and it's been very damaging. And I, I don't think we have any clue as to the damage of how bad it really is. I think this is the calm before the storm. I think you're going to see the commercial markets get hit dramatically. You're going to see a bunch of signage in regards to where businesses used to be, but they're going to be empty because as a result, people have lost and are losing their businesses, which is really sad. And it actually angers me because people, you know, the American way is to be that entrepreneur and, and take that risk and, and so on. And, you know, they've built their lives around these businesses and now it's gone in a matter of 90 days because they didn't have the reserves to make it through and, and so on. So um, anyway, kind of a little rabbit trail, but it's just kind of an interesting time. I'd love to get your take. Yeah, I mean, my take, especially with the Bay Area, I, I really follow how companies plan to roll things out. So a lot of the companies, especially in the Bay Area, are heavy tech. And you had like a company like Twitter recently announced that people don't have to come back to the office ever. So, so that's a huge change of their corporate real estate mentality. Now, that's w only one example. And then you have Facebook and Google that said, you can work from home until the end of the year at the very least. And, and they've built huge campuses, like huge campuses. And they have huge projects coming up too, especially Google with downtown San Jose, which is a giant village environment, which is planned to have I believe it was 5 million square footage of office space. So I, I don't know what will happen with that. And that's been a multi-year project um, that, you know, if you were going through their trajectory, they definitely needed it. But now when things have changed, uh, I do not know. And that's, that's the interesting thing that I continue to monitor because that has very lasting impacts of what may or may not happen with Bay Area real estate. Because if you think about Bay Area real estate, for the most parts, have been very dense in certain areas of where the jobs are at, especially the high paying jobs. It was basically San Francisco or let's say around Mountain View. And, you know, traffic was really bad because they all go one direction and they all go back home in a different direction. So that's a very big uh, impact. But that's not all companies have the luxury to do that or the interest of doing that. So it will be interesting to see. However, what I have noticed for sure. Now that things have opened up, think about how people use their house, especially in the Bay Area, where, where the, the space itself is generally smaller than, than your areas. Now, they pay X amount to live there, and they used to go to the work, and then they go home and do what they need to do. But think about the behavior changes that have happened now. Kids are at home because they there is no they can't go to a, a school. And if the the if the 
if the work life is actually mostly work remote at at home these days, they need an extra room for an office room. So what's interesting is over the two months, they've they started to say, I can't I can't live like this anymore. I need a bigger space. Right. I just can't is, you know, I, I have my computer on my kitchen cabinet, uh, my, my kitchen counter. That's how they work because there's no other room. And now their kid is also running around in circles all day because they're not in the, some, you know, a, a childcare facility. And so what I get a lot now is there's a lot of activity of now things have opened up so that we can even go see houses. But they also realize and have got to a point they need more space. So all the conversations I have is like, I can't live like this anymore. I need another bedroom. Whatever they have, they need at least another bedroom. Now, whether that's still in the same city, it's still the case. They, they can may move further out so or they can get even further out to your to you know even sacramento or reno that i don't know i love it i love yeah. it bring them come on come on yeah. we got it so it's 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 interesting to see but it, it is still early it is very early because the other aspect from a corporate real estate perspective is if you think about their plans and how they think about their strategy they've been doing that for decades of a specific model so for two, for in two months, for them to completely say we don't need any more space when we have thirty thousand engineers here, that's that's not as easy as one would think. It doesn't flip like that. So there's a lot of change that will happen, but uh, there's no clear direction just yet um, if if it's going one way. Because the other concern then is if the, if they're really able to go remote. They may not even go to Sacramento or Reno. They may just go Midwest, right? Or they can go Asia or somewhere like it, even way cheaper. So you have this aspect where um, it's still unknown. It's still, you know, how far can they go? That there's just too many questions. Yeah. Well, it, uh, everything you said excites me because uh, Sacramento is a good spot. They're only an hour and 45 minutes drive and they could ride the train down. And we that has been a trend, by the way, all kidding aside, where uh, more and more people are moving out. More companies are saying, Hey, you can telecommute, just come down one day a week, right. right? Check in or two days a week. And so they'll, you know, ride a train, do an Airbnb or do a hotel room or and the company even to put them up, you know, and, and then they come back. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think, uh, COVID has really made people aware, uh, at companies aware that, you know what, doggone, we're paying a ton of, uh, money for all of this brick and mortar to house all these employees. And the reality is we're doing pretty good business with them at home. And I think we got a happier uh, workforce, quite frankly, you know, uh, my wife, uh, she's a title rep and she didn't, uh, you know, she was not working from home until this. And, and she found that she was more productive at home because she wasn't talking all her title officers and shooting the breeze and doing all this. She goes, yeah, I'm, I'm at home working because I don't have any distractions. <laughs> so, you know, I think uh, I think that's going to be more the case. Yeah. And I agree. I think it, it's going to be a fine balance though, too. You're right. I, general people will feel that way, but then you have this challenge now where employers say, Hey, look, you know what? You're technically now going to be working way more too, because you always have a computer. You, you have everything set up. You need to work longer hours now. Right. Versus in the past, maybe you, all you needed to do was go into the office. That was your hours. And then you have this work life balance. So there's 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 definitely some strain on the other end where they say, hey, look, you're pretty productive and you're you're answering emails all day, every day. OK, this is very good for me. And I'm going to make you work just like that. 
So then people say, no, 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 let me go back to the office, <laughs> right? I don't want to work these evenings. So it, 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 a lot of things have changed and, and as change, we'll, you know, we'll see how things go because I do get that concern. Like people are getting burned out because they're technically, there's, there's no balance anymore um, because you're always going to be technically able to work. Um, so, so there, there's these challenges just from a, of how they manage their employees and from a happiness perspective. Um, so nevertheless, love to wrap things up. And I know we went through an hour, went by very quickly. And thank you so much for sharing uh, both of the markets. It is definitely very interesting and it is always very different than here in the Bay Area. So Matt, what's the best way of people to be able to get in touch with you? Uh, you know, they can either call or text. Uh, my cell phone is 916-718-2979. Uh, if they want to learn a little bit more about me, they can go to my website and click the About Me uh, tab, which would be matthewstuartrealestate.com, www.matthewstuartrealestate.com, uh, or email matthewstuartrealestate at gmail.com. Wonderful. And Jen and Michelle? What's the best way of getting a hold of you guys? Um, we have uh, our team website is info at live, love, play in um, And then you can always you mean, contact that's us. That's our email. Yeah, that's our right. team. That's our, our that's our, no, no. Our, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's our, that's our email. Sorry. Um, our website is www.liveloveplayinv.com. Yeah, we have, we have two. We have two. Okay. Yeah. And then our, right. our, our, our team phone number is 888-557-1663. Um, and then my cell phone is 775-420-7147 available most anytime for questions. Um, we love to chat with people and share our story. Yeah. Wonderful. So just one more time at renoppropertypros.com is our website. Yeah. Got it. And okay. My number is 775-400-6024. And again, Jen and I, we, we love to help people. So bring on any questions, even if you want to come out and you want us to show you around, <laughs> we'll be happy yeah. to do that. They're awesome. We have, if anybody yeah. wants a book, they can get a hold of us directly, but we have this book. We didn't write it, of course, but <laughs> maybe one day, uh, but it's the hundred best things to do in Reno. And it, there is so many fun things. It's so diverse from skiing to water skiing, to being out on your motorcycles, to skydiving, casinos, if I you do. want. Hi yeah. yeah. Riding wild horses bareback. Riding wild horses bareback. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Very nice. I need a copy of that book. So. I'll send you one. We'll I'll send yeah, you one. Please. please. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. Uh, just as uh, some housekeeping items. So this is every Wednesday. We'll have another one next week. Next week we'll have uh, Palm Beach, Florida. We'll, we'll I'll have a, a guest from there, and one more. I don't remember off the top of my head, but one more uh, realtor as well in a different city. Well, thank you so much. We'll wrap it up. Uh, have a good one. Thanks, Spencer. Bye. Thanks, Matthew. Bye. Absolutely. Thank you.